This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It's a pleasure to be with you today, and we do appreciate your taking the time to watch the telecast today. Stay tuned as we'll be discussing a very challenging theme from the Old Testament today, The Way Home. Now today on Getting to Know Your Bible, we offer a free Bible correspondence course, and I emphasize to you that this course is absolutely free. We want you to have it and that you might know more about the course, what's involved in the course, and how you can take the course. Let's just pause for a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I'd like to read to you now from Isaiah, the 35th chapter, verse 8 through verse 10. A highway shall be there, and a road, and it shall be called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, and it shall be for others whoever walks the road, although a fool shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go upon it, it shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Many refer to this as being one of the most beautiful passages to be found in all of the Bible. What this is is the triumphant song of God's people when they were in captivity. They were homesick. They were wanting to go back home to, to, to Jerusalem. And as they began to think about that journey back home, they needed some words of encouragement. They were looking forward to the time they would leave their land of captivity, go back to their homeland, and they were wondering how we're going to make the journey. How are we going to be able to go through the wilderness all the way back to our homeland? So Isaiah gives them some encouragement, and he says a highway will be there in a way. And it's going to be called the highway of holiness. In other words, God will provide a way. When Isaiah spoke these words of encouragement to God's people in the long ago, he was not just looking to the time that they would return from captivity back to their homeland. He was looking beyond that. And he was looking beyond that to the time of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Hebrews, the 10th chapter, in verse number 20, Jesus Christ, uh, we're told, provided a new and a living way. It, in John, the 14th chapter, in verse uh, 6, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. Jesus is the way. 
Jesus Christ is that new and living way. And when early Christians gave their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ and surrendered their lives to Him for obedience to the gospel, they entered into that way. As a matter of fact, frequently God's people were just referred to as the the way. For instance, in Acts the ninth chapter in verse 2, Saul was breathing out threatening and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord and he went to the high priest and he asked for letters from the high priest that if he found any that were of the way, of the way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Then turn over to Acts the 16th chapter and in verse number 17. And there, this is what we read. The girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim unto us the way of salvation. There it's referred to as not just the way, but it is the way of salvation. Now in Acts the 19th chapter and in verse number 23. About that time there arose a great commotion about the way. The way. Now turn to Acts the 22nd chapter, verse number 4. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering into prison both men and women. And that's where Paul was recounting what he had done in the past. He persecuted the way. Now turn to Acts the 24th chapter, and verse number 14. But this I confess to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, so worship, I, I worship the God of my fathers. The way. When other early Christians gave their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, it is said that they were not just following the way, that is Christ, that they were the way. And this is a way that takes you home. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, Jesus said, Enter ye in at the straight gate. Wide is the gate, broad is the way, that leadeth unto destruction, and many there be that go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. This is the way that takes you home eternally. I want to give you some characteristics of that way home. First of all, it is a designated way. Notice again in verse number 8. A highway shall be there. It's been designated, and it's going to be called the way of holiness, the highway of holiness. You see, the way home has always been under the direction of God. When the children of Israel were going to leave the land of captivity and go back home, they were going to be under God's leadership. And if we expect to go home eternally, we must be under the leadership of God. John chapter 6 and verse 45 says, And they shall all be taught of God. Everyone therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. You see, we have to be under God's leadership. And our entire journey through this world and into the next is under the leadership of God. And God has delegated that leadership to the Son. In Matthew 28 and 18, Jesus said, All authority hath been given unto me in heaven and on earth. So we're under the leadership of Christ. 
In Ephesians, the first chapter, verse 22, 23, had put all things under his feet. Who put all things under the feet of Christ? God did. The Father did. Hath put all things under his feet. Gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. And so the church is under the leadership of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the way is the church. Why, Paul said he persecuted the way. But in Acts the 8th chapter, Paul made havoc of the church. When Paul persecuted the church, he was persecuting that which is described in Acts 9 and, and passages following as being the way. And so the way, the church, has always been under the leadership of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it is today. And it is referred to as being a way of holiness. When I think of something that is holy, I think of something that is pure, something that is clean, sanctified. This way that we're talking about is a way of cleanliness, purity. It is a way of holiness. In 2 Corinthians 7 and 1, Paul wrote, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and of the mind, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And so we are to perfect holiness in the fear of God. How do we do that? Well, I can tell you one way that we do not do it. There are not enough good things that I could ever do to be holy in the sight of God. I can tell you another way that we're not able to do it. I could never buy holiness. There's not enough money in the world to, 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 to purchase holiness in the sight of God. And it doesn't make any difference how many other people I might uh, know, important people that I might know, that's not going to cause me to be a holy person. It doesn't matter if all of my relatives are, are, are Christians and all of them are living good, holy lives. That'll not make me a holy person. There's only one way that I can ever expect to be holy in the sight of God. And that's through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the Revelation, chapter 7, verse 13, the Bible says there, What are these and whence came they? And I said, Sir, thou knowest. Th these are they that came out of the great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. The only way that we'll ever be made white in the, in the sight of God, pure, holy in His sight, is by the blood of the Lamb. In Revelation 1, 5, unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. But how does that blood make me holy? You see, Jesus shed his blood almost 2,000 years ago. How can blood shed 2,000 years ago make me clean today? How can it purify my soul, cleanse my soul, wash my soul of sin? Well, I have to, in some way, benefit from that blood. I call your attention now to the sixth chapter of Romans. In verse 3, Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Christ. The word baptism is really not a translated word in the English language, in the English versions. It is a transliterated word. That is, it's been taken bodily from the Greek language and carried over into the English language, had it been translated, it might read something like this, that 
it might use the word immerse rather than the word baptize. Know you not that so many of us as were immersed into Christ. And so we are immersed into Christ. That entails a burial in water. Colossians 2 and 12 says, Buried with him in baptism, wherein also you're risen with him through the faith of operation of God. So we're buried with Christ in baptism. Now go back to Romans 6. He says, Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death. Think about that for a moment. Baptized into his death. Let me ask you a question. Where did Jesus shed his blood? You said, well, in dying on the cross. How do we contact that death, the benefits of that death? Well, someone says, well, do, do, what, what if I just were to put my hand on the television screen and you were to pray for me? That's not what the Bible says, is it? Or someone says, what if I were to repeat the, 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 the so-called sinner's prayer today? Well, is that really what the Bible says? And here's what the Bible says. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Christ. That's how we get into Christ is by baptism, by being buried with Christ in baptism. We're baptized into his death. That is into the benefits of the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, there's not a more beautiful sight and a beautiful thought in all of the world than, than to know that when I'm immersed into the Lord Jesus Christ, that I'm coming in contact with that blood that washes and cleanses me of my sins. That's exactly what Saul of Tarsus was told in Acts 22, 16. And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And I, I want to point this point point this out to you. The washing away of sins in Acts 22.16 comes after the act of baptism and not before. We're not saved and then baptized. We're baptized and then we're saved. Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. There are two conditions of salvation in that passage. Belief in baptism one condition of condemnation, and that's unbelief. It would have been redundant for Jesus to have said, He that believeth not and is not baptized shall be condemned. For in fact, a person is condemned at the very point of one's unbelief. But there are two conditions of salvation, belief and baptism. And baptism puts us into Christ, puts us into His death in contact with that blood by faith that washes and cleanses us of all of our sins. Yes, indeed, this is a designated way. It is a highway, but it's not just a highway. It's a highway of holiness. But let me point out a second thing about the way home, and that is it's a plain way. Look at verse 8 again. The unclean shall not pass over it. So there won't be any unclean people on this way. When God's people were going to leave captivity and go back home, they needed to know that that there were not going to be the rogues out there to bother them along the way, that we're not going to have all of the problems along the way, that they would have the protection of God. The unclean shall not pass over it. But whoever walks the road, although a fool, shall not err or therein or go astray. In other words, the way is going to be so plain and so simple as you go back home that everybody will be able to find it. It is not conceivable that God in His grace and mercy and love 
would give his son to die the death upon the cross of Calvary and then turn around and give a plan of salvation that was so confusing and so complicated that a man could not understand it. Folks, the way home to eternity is a plain way. It's a simple way. And it's plain enough for all to understand it. That's why Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's plain enough for all people. But you know that simplicity of the gospel, the plainness of it, is a stumbling block to some people. Well, as a matter of fact, in the, Old, in the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians 1, 23, we're told that the preaching of the cross is to the Jews uh, is a stumbling block to those, to the Jewish people and to the Greeks. It was foolishness. And it's still a stumbling block in foolishness to lots of people today. Somebody says, well, I just don't understand how thus and so can be. It just doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me that a, that a person could go down into a pool of water and someone say that they're being baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the remission of their sins, and when they're immersed into that water and come up out of their water, that water that their sins have been washed away. First of all, let me say, there isn't any power in the water. The power is in the blood. And God has designated where we contact that blood, and it is in baptism, when we're baptized into the Lord Jesus Christ. But let me tell you an Old Testament story. It's about a man by the name of Naaman. He was a leper. He was a, he was a captain in the, in the Syrian army. And, and Naaman was told that if he would go dip in the river Jordan seven times, that he would be healed of his leprosy. Why to him, that didn't make any sense. Why aren't the rivers here at home good enough to dip in? No, it had to be the river Jordan. So finally... He goes to the river Jordan. He dips one time, comes up out of the water. He's still a leper. He dips two, three, four, five, six times. When he comes up the sixth time, sixth time he's still a leper. It was not until he dipped that seventh time that he came up healed of his leprosy. Now let me ask you, does that make sense to you? Does it make sense to you? It didn't to Naaman at first. He said, behold, I thought, you know, that, that he'd just do something here to, to heal me, do some great thing and heal me. But no, the Lord said, I want you to go over there to the River Jordan. I want you to dip seven times in the River Jordan and you'll be clean. That made absolutely no sense to Naaman at first. But when he dipped that seventh time, he was healed. Let me ask you, why was he healed? You say, well, he was healed because he dipped the seventh time. Why did he dip the seventh time? It's because God told him to do it. It may have seemed foolish to many, but he was doing what God said. There are things today that God may tell us to do that may just make not a, may not make a lot of sense to us. But, but, but we do it because God said to do it. Yes, this is a very plain way, simple way. But it's also a safe way. Notice in verse 9, No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast. They were going to be protected as they went back from captivity back to their homeland. And you and I have protection along the way. 
we have protection when temptation starts knocking on our door. And we don't live long until temptation knocks on our door. But we're told in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. We have help when we're tempted. And that's the reason we ought to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We, we have help. We have help from God when, when we have trouble comes in our life. Paul had a thorn in the flesh. Now, I have absolutely no idea of knowing what that thorn may have been. There, I know there are all kinds of ideas about what the thorn was, but frankly, we don't know. But I do know what Paul did about it. Three times he asked God to remove that thorn. And three times God said, no, I'm not going to remove it. But here was God's answer in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. My grace is sufficient for thee. My grace is sufficient. And God's grace will be sufficient for us when we have trouble come into our lives. God has made that promise. And there, there's a God in heaven, according to Daniel chapter 2 and verse 28. And if God is for us, let me ask you a question. Who can be against us? And as long as we're traveling the way, traveling the way home, following Christ who is the way, and we're following the way, then we're safe from dangers. But I'll tell you where peril lies. There's peril when you get off onto the side roads of life. And no doubt that's where some of us are right now. We're on the side roads of life. And that's where the danger is. In James, the fifth chapter, verse 19 and 20, James there wrote, Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and hide a multitude of sins. Folks, the danger is getting off onto the side roads of life, getting off of the way that leads to life eternal, and getting off onto some side road chasing rabbits, getting off onto side, some side road chasing some religious uh, 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 philosophy, some religious era, or some habit that we might have, and it will lead to our ruin. You see, the side roads lead to sorrow. Solomon wrote in Proverbs 14, 12, there's a way that seems right to a man. The ends thereof, the ways of death. You may get off on one of these side roads of life. You may get off on the side road of pleasure. You may get off on the side road of immorality, the side road of alcohol, the side road of gambling, drugs, hundreds of other things, and it may seem like the thing to do. It may seem to you, boy, that's where it's really at. But Solomon said, that road leads to damnation, and it leads to death. So this is a safe way. The safest place for your soul right now is to be in the Lord Jesus Christ. I know that for a fact. Paul said, I know in whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I have committed unto him 
against that day. That's the safest place for you to be right now. And I want to ask you, why would you want to gamble with your soul? Why would you gamble with your soul? Paul reasoned with Felix of righteousness, temperance, and the judgment to come, and the Bible says that he trembled. He shook like a leaf in the wind, but he gambled with his soul. And he told Paul, go thy way for this time, and when I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. But that convenient season never came. But the way home indeed is a wayward home. Look in verse number 10. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing and everlasting joy on their heads. In other words, when you leave captivity, he was telling them you're going to go back home. You're going back to Zion. You're going back to Jerusalem. When Saul of Tarsus was taught the gospel by the preacher named Ananias. He was baptized into Christ and he entered the way. And he was faithful in that way. He wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4 near the end of his life, I am ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I finished the course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord... the the righteous judge shall give me at that day, not to me only, but unto all of them that love his appearing. Paul got in the way and he stayed in the way, the way home. And if we go to heaven, we have to stay in the way. You can't travel the broad way that leads to ruin and then expect to go to heaven. You see, that broad way that Jesus described in Matthew 7 is a way of separation. It's a way of, of punishment. But the way that he described as being a narrow way is a way of happiness. It's a way of freedom, freedom from pain. Why, in Revelation 21, though there will be no pain, no sorrow when we get to heaven. Don't you want to be in the way, the way home? Jesus said, I am the way, and I'd encourage you to follow Jesus, the way. And it's the best way. It is the safest way. It's a plain way. It's not hard to understand. And it's a way that is well marked, well designated. Follow Him. You'll never regret it. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at knowyourbible at golftel.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, 
P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580 or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.